What a joy it is to serve the Lord this morning. Amen. Has he been good to anybody this week? Oh, has he been good to anybody this week? Yeah. He's been good. And he's greatly to be praised this morning. It's been a busy week for us. as We've been in Kentucky the first part of the week and trying to be of help to those that are recovering from the tremendous flood throughout five counties of eastern Kentucky. Uh, Pastor Chris and some of the folks are still there and we'll be leaving and going back there for a little bit of time, taking another load of food in uh, tonight, early in the morning, Lord willing. And uh, we're just believing God to continue to touch the people there. Great devastation. Please continue to pray for eastern Kentucky. Uh, this is not something that's going to go away soon, but this is going to be something that's ongoing for many, many months, uh, probably for a few years. And uh, it's an area that was hit very, very hard. Uh, for about four hours nonstop, they got roughly 13 inches of rain every hour. So if you do the math, that's about five feet of rain in four hours. And because of the terrain and the mountain region, many of the hollers, uh, many of the valleys just filled up like bathtubs. And uh, in our travel and our running around, we saw places that had upwards to 30 feet of water. Uh, and when you're driving, you can see the belongings of people from many miles away in different places, 25, 30 feet in trees. Some are full of resolve and others is full of hopelessness. So we've fed people, we've prayed with people, and we've tried to be the hands and feet of Christ and we'll continue to do that for a few more weeks there. And ongoing, we are working, going to help build back a couple of churches in that region. So you'll be hearing us tell more about that in the future. But I'm so thankful for the love and the support of not just this house, but many people across this nation that has come together and uh, has given of themselves unselfishly uh, for men and women to be able to experience the love of Christ as well as experience just uh, a needed hand in this time. So I would ask that you continue to pray for them. Pray for all the volunteers that's there in many, many places and working and giving of themselves. So just wanted to give you that update very quickly. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so this morning at this time. And I'm going to just jump right into the word this morning. I have a whole lot to say, and I probably won't say it all uh, this morning, but I'm going to do my best to uh, deliver to you hopefully a challenging message as well as an encouraging message this morning that the Lord has laid on my heart. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Please pray for some of our church family not feeling well, uh, that uh, I know that we're ending summer and getting ready to go back into fall, and that means flu season and all those types of things as well. And we still see lots of other activities and uh, lots of things happening, but uh, how many knows God's still in control? Amen. And uh, we're going to put our faith and trust in the Lord, and uh, he's going to take care of you. Let me, let me just tell you this morning, you're going to be all right. Okay. It doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind, and you're going to be okay. No matter what it may look like this morning, it, it, it's going to be all right. Okay. Maybe that's not for everybody, but maybe that's just for you. I pray that you'll hear me this morning 
it's going to be okay, all right? And uh, so this morning, if the Lord would help me, I want to talk to us a little bit about reformation of righteousness. And I'm going to ask you a question today, and uh, that question is simply this, very simple question. Will you, not talking to anybody else but you, will you choose to believe? And that's the question that I'm presenting to you this morning. I want to share a story before I read my text and before I get into the message this morning. I want to give you a story, if that's all right. And if you'll stay with me, I may start a little slow this morning, but I believe we'll end in a good place if you just stay with me for a little bit. But the year was 1915. The day was changed with the cry of a newborn baby. This baby was a precious baby boy. His mother and father named him Charles, Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was raised in a home that was not going to the house of the Lord, but really wasn't involved at all in church of any sort. By the time that Charles was 14 years old, his father had abandoned his mother and him and his siblings. By the age of 14, Charles was forced to be the man of his house. But he saw that the weight and the heaviness that his mother had grown accustomed to had began to be somewhat erased because she found herself going to a local church and she had given her life to Jesus. And this newfound faith that she had seemed to make her smile and seemed to make her sing where before she never did those things. And we find that while her and the smaller children continued to begin to mark this path that he been who he was and forced to be a teenage boy and with responsibility, he neglected to go to the house of the Lord with them. But when he was 19 years old, 20 years old, he was experiencing all of the things that many do exposed to the world. But he walked into his house with his mother there late in the evening feeling dirty and empty. Looking in the mirror, unsatisfied with who he was. We find that his mother invited him to come in and sat by her bed. And as they began to have conversation, that conversation gave way to him walking into his bedroom and been overwhelmed, all of a sudden found himself curled up in a small ball, crying out to God, someone he did not know, and simply saying, come, come to me. And we find that in 1936, at 21 years of age, Charles Templeton first professed faith in Jesus Christ. In that same year, he began to use his gifts and talents. He was a sports writer as well as a cartoonist, and he was invited because he was able to interact with people quite well. And as he found himself in the church of that time, found that his ability to sketch in front of people and come and really communicate, began to draw a young audience of people. And 
he found himself beginning to share his faith and he started ministering the gospel. He became one of the greatest evangelists of that age throughout the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. He's originally from Canada, but he found himself in the United States of America after some time, but even throughout Canada and throughout the U.S. By the time he was 26, 27, 28 years old, nightly he was ministering to 10,000, 15,000, 35,000. He was filling coliseums and stadiums, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything was going well for Charles. Some of you might recognize the name Charles Templeton if I join it with the name Billy Graham. Because in 1946, Youth for Christ, they began to co-found together. And they began to travel and they began to tour uh, Europe and other places as well as then they became very heavily involved here in the United States. But as he began to grow and he began to preach this gospel to thousands, there began to be an inner struggle in his life. He began to see all of the harsh realities of war and everything that was going on in the world. And he began to say, if God was really who he is, how could all of this be? And it began to cause war and turmoil in his mind. And after preaching to thousands for many years, we find that Charles Templeton came to a place after founding a church and after having such a drawing of people in that church on 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 the side of the road where if you wasn't there 30 minutes early, you was turned away because there was no place for you to sit. And after having great success, he found himself standing in a platform such as this, telling the congregation simply this, I can no longer lead you. I can no longer proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord because I have too many questions. And he walked away from the very thing that he had encountered. We find that many began to crucify him, but Billy Graham, his friend, stood and addressed a crowd and said, listen, this is not a time for us to crucify Charles, but this is a time for us to pray for him. They remained friends, but yet their friendship became strained and distanced. But we find that upon his decision later in the year 1996, Charles wrote a book that simply said a farewell to God. And he began to become very aggressive in his denouncing of faith. But he simply went and tried to explain my reasons for rejecting the Christian faith. And we could talk a lot about that, but late in life, in his 80s, right before he passed away, Lee Strobel had an opportunity to interview him, and he found himself on the 25th floor in a penthouse apartment in Toronto. And he began to interview him, and he began to ask him why he had chosen the way that, and made the decisions that he had. And it appeared that Charles was very rooted in his thought process that 
I did the right thing by rejecting the Bible and disavowing the existence of God. But as this conversation unfolded, Lee found himself just prompting to ask the question that he thought was needed to be asked next. And he simply said this, what about Christ? What about this man named Jesus? And notice what he says. He says immediately the body language of this old man began to change and seemed like he began to soften and his demeanor completely took on a new light. And he said, well, he said he was, and let me read it to you this morning. He was, talking about Jesus, the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my reading. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to be the determinant of the world. Quietly, Lee looked at him and he said, you sound like you really care about him. And Charles, in his softened state, without thinking too much, he simply said, well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life. And then this man that was speaking so elegantly began to stutter. And he said, I, I, I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Lee was stunned and he listened in shock as he listened to this man that has disavowed God and rejected the Bible. And he was even stunned even more when the old man continued and he simply said this, I miss him. And all of a sudden the old man burst into tears and his frame began to shake as he wept bitterly. And after getting his composure a little bit later, he simply said, enough of that. And waved his hand and took no more questions. Just a couple years later, Charles Templeton stepped into eternity. I have to ask the question this morning, will you choose to believe? You see, in the midst of this story, there's many questions that we could ask. But as Billy Graham and Charles Templeton had worked together and alongside each other, preached together night after night and shared the goodness of God to thousands around the globe. Charles simply one time explained in a book that he wrote, he said, the, he said, I can only explain the difference between Billy and myself and the phenomenal success that Billy had as an evangelist. He said, I can only take it back to one specific conversation that we had. And this is the conversation. He said, but Billy, it's simply not possible any longer to believe, for instance, the biblical account of creation. The world was not created over a period of days a few thousand years ago. It has evolved over millions of years. It's not a matter of speculation. It's basically a demonstrational fact. 
But Billy said, I don't accept that. And there are reputable scholars who don't accept that either. And then Charles said, who are those scholars? Men in conservative Christian colleges? And Billy answered, most of them, yes. However, that is not the point. I believe, notice Billy says, I believe the Genesis account of creation because it's in the Bible. I've discovered something in my ministry, however. When I take the Bible literally, when I proclaim it as the word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand on the platform and say, God says, or the Bible says, the Holy Spirit uses me, there are results. He continued to say, wiser men than you and I, Charles, have been arguing questions like this for centuries. I don't have the time or the intellect to examine all sides of the theological dispute. So I've decided once and for all to stop questioning and to accept the Bible as God's word. Charles said, but Billy, I protest. You cannot do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important question in life. Do it and begin to die. It's intellectual suicide. But Billy said, I don't know about anybody else, but I've decided that this is the path for me. We find two men who had an encounter with God. One chose to believe and one chose not to. Can I tell you this morning, there is only two chairs before us today. And every one of us is sitting in one of them. I'm not asking this morning about the realities of religion or the opinions or traditions of men. But I come to tell you today that what we need right now in America and around the world is for somebody to just believe. You see, this week alone, I have seen men and women in all types of bondages and strongholds that needs to have an encounter with God. Billy understood something. When he began to believe things began to change. Because when he began to have this conflict with his friend Charles, you will find in the life of Billy, you can listen to the stories and even his own words, talk about there was a day where he had to stop all of the questioning in his mind and he had to make a decision to trust God. Billy found himself in the woods at an old tree stump and he laid down before it and knelt down before it and laid a Bible open and said, God, I don't know. He said, I don't understand everything, don't know everything. But he finally, after a time and season of prayer, he simply said, I choose to believe this to be the word of God. And when he began to believe, things began to change. He no longer preached the manner that he had before. Yes, it may have been the same verses. It may have been the same style, but there was something different. There was power. There was authority. Men by the hundreds, by the thousands began to be drawn to this man named Jesus because he simply chose to believe. I want to ask the question today, how many people are being drawn because of our lives? Notice with me, 
When we believe, things change. Greater men than you and I have struggled with this topic of belief. But how many knows today that when we believe, he is always faithful to become present in our lives. Righteousness is a timeless quality of a people among whom God's presence dwell. I'm not talking about tradition. I'm not talking about outward things, but I'm talking about lives that are surrendered to the Lord this morning. Notice with me today, I want to give you a story, and I have much I could say, but I want to quickly share with you just for a moment. I want to share with you a story of what it looks like when people begin to believe. Impossible things become possible. In Luke chapter number one, beginning in verse number five, we pick up a story of a man by a name of Zacharias, and I think it's worth sharing this morning. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And notice this, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it come to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not. For thy prayer is heard. Notice this. He had put his faith, his belief, his trust in the Lord. He said, and thy, and, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, you say, what does that have to do with the story that you shared? In this story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, we find that she was one that was faced with opposition. She was somewhat mocked and laughed at because she was unable to bring forth children. All of her adult life, she had heard the snickering and the comments as they walked by. But yet we find that in her elder years, Zachariah still having a heart to believe and trust in God and praying, all of a sudden has a visitation from the angel Gabriel and says, the Lord is getting ready to do something unexpectedly. Now, the very thing that he had been praying for throughout the years of his life, he was now faced with, will I believe 
in what has been presented to me. He's hearing something that doesn't seem logical. He's hearing something that seems to be impossible. It seems like that season has came and gone for him and his wife. It it seems like there's no way that it possibly could take place now. But will you choose to believe, Zechariah? And if you read on through this passage of Scripture, you will find that the angel of the Lord simply identifies himself. He says, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. And he said, I'm sent to speak unto you and to show you that there's glad tidings that's getting ready to be released to you. But he said, because you have not believed my word, however, you will become dumb and you will not speak until he is born. Think about it. The very thing that he was desiring now that has been presented to him, he has in a hard time to grab a hold and believe. And we find that when he walked out of the temple that day, he wasn't able to speak and the people was there waiting for him and they said, surely he has had a vision. Surely he's encountered something. But Zechariah continued his course, and at the end, you will read that he found himself finishing up his responsibilities, and then he goes home, and he, as he returns, we find that Elizabeth, his barren wife, conceived, and she hid herself for five months. And as she had hid herself for five months, she said, surely the Lord is going to remove this reproach off of my life. But then in the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel is released again. And he comes to a little city and he meets with a young virgin girl by the name of Mary. And he simply says, you are highly favored among women. Some of you probably heard that story. And guess what? We'll be talking about that story before long because Christmas is coming, folks. We find that. He begins to have this conversation, says, you're going to bring forth a child. His name will be Emmanuel. He's going to be the Satan. She said, how can this be knowing, seeing that I know not a man? And he simply said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And he said, oh, by the way, your, your family member, Elizabeth, she's six months with child as well. So immediately she leaves and goes to where she is and she walks in and begins to have a conversation and tells Elizabeth what's going on and the encounter that she's had and all of a sudden the Bible tells us that when Elizabeth heard it that all of a sudden she was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and the babe which was John was lying in the womb and began to leap with joy because of what was taking place. Now this baby by the name of John. He was born for a purpose. You find in John chapter one, verse number six, it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is the baby we're talking about this morning. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. And John bear witness of him in verse number 15 and cried saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Many of you know the life of John, but let me just visit a couple of things very quickly. And this is the record of John. 
he actually stood before the priest and the Levites from Jerusalem and they asked him, who are you? And he said, I'm just one that is simply that which the prophet Isaiah or Elijah talked about and said was this, uh, make straight the way of the Lord. He simply, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. But as amazing as this story is, we find that there's some things happened in John's life. Let me give you just a couple of them. John, who should have been nurtured and groomed to take a priestly office that should have never been named John in the natural. But upon his arrival and everybody was calling him Zachariah and this and that, the family names, and they looked at Zachariah and said, what's his name? Because it was the man's responsibility to name the child and he's simply not able to speak. He simply took a pen in this moment, he chose to simply just embrace fully everything that God had said through the angel Gabriel, and he simply wrote, his name is John. It made no sense to anybody, but he knew, and he believed that there was something supernatural about this baby, and he began to be able to speak again. Supernaturally, miracle, be work and power began to be on display in the life of Zechariah. This baby should have began to be groomed to be in the priestly Lineage, but we find that he ends up in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. We see that as he began to preach a message that had not yet been heard, that not one or two, but people from all around that region began to come to the banks of the Jordan River. And they began to listen to this man that was dressed different than anybody else. He had a leather girdle on. He, he, he was a wild-looking man. He had, he had hair like camel. Listen, he, he was wild. He was out there. And, and as he was standing there, people began to look at him. They began to listen to him. And all of a sudden, they began to confess their sins. And then they wanted to be baptized in the Jordan River. And, and all of this was happening. And he's like, man, this is, this is pretty wild, right? But then one day, Jesus himself is standing in his in the presence of the crowd and he says hey that's him and then Jesus comes and says baptize me he says I'm not worthy to even unlace your shoes and you want me to baptize you and he simply said no but he was given the assignment and after giving the assignment notice this I've been to the river and baptized a lot of people, but I've never had this encounter. I've never had this happen. When he baptized John and he come up out of the water, all of a sudden there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, he had some encounters. Things was happening in his life. He experienced the goodness and the favor of God. But then all of a sudden, his boldness got him to a place where now he's even standing before King Herod and saying, listen, what you're doing is not lawful, nor is it right. You cannot take her to be your wife. We find himself that he's in prison on the side of right. Now, all of a sudden, John begins to question everything he's devoted himself to all of his life. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is he really the one? And we find that while he was in prison, some of John's disciples came and said, listen, Jesus is no longer just amongst the 12, but he's going from city to city to city. And he's sharing and he's teaching. And he says, well, I'm going to send two of you and I want you to go back and I want you to talk to him and ask him, are you the one or do we look for another? Think about it. A man that has encountered all of these things finds himself in a state of questioning, much like Charles Templeton did. Is it really true? Oh, I don't know. How many times have we allowed the enemy 
to let our minds run rapid and say, well, could it be or could it not be? Is it really real? Oh, I don't know. And all of this back and forth, back and forth. But can I tell you, there has to be a day when you choose to simply believe. These disciples went, and as upon their arrival, you can read in the book of Matthew, you can read in the gospel of Luke as well. You can read and you can find that when these disciples came, all of a sudden, at the very moment when they came and asked this question, Jesus began to heal the blind. He began to heal the sick. He began to see they, uh, those that was possessed with devils began to be set free. And all of a sudden, he says, go back and tell John. He says, go back and tell him. Everything that you see, the blind are receiving their sight, the lame is walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are been raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. But then he says this, oh, and by the way, tell him, blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. What he was simply saying is this, tell John that I've not forsaken him, but God has other plans than what he really knows. Now we know this, the core, according to scripture, that John lost his life because of evil. That if there was anybody, anybody, because you see how Jesus spoke so highly about John, if you continue to read in Matthew as well in the gospel of Luke, he said, there is no man like him. There's none like him. Not to say that it was also his cousin in the natural if there was anyone that he would have ever brought to a place where he could release him and bring him to a place of freedom, but God had a plan. And I want to say to you this morning, sometimes our lives do not go as we have planned them to go. While we should have dreams and we should have aspirations and, and we should plan and, and all of those things, but we have to understand when we give to a place where we trust God with our lives, it means we are no longer in control, but he has complete control. And John found himself saying, I don't know why I'm here. I've preached, I've did this, and I've done this, and I've done that, but now I find myself in a place where I don't understand. I'm sitting here in a place of prison. Is he really the one, or do we look for another? This morning, can I tell you, that as he found himself in this place of decision, we too find ourselves in a place of decision today because all around us continually, day in and day out, we are beginning to hear these words. Oh, there's many ways to God. There's many ways to heaven. Oh, and, and you can do uh, everybody. Go, listen, just read the obituaries as I tell you all the time. Everybody got their angel's wings that died this week. Everybody's in paradise. Uh, I wish that was true, but it isn't. But you and I have to choose whom we will obey. Paul wrote very clearly in the book of Romans, uh, to the one that you yield your members to, that is what you become servant of. I want you to understand with me this morning, uh, there has never been a more important hour in our lives than right now because can I tell you, uh, in the midst of everything that's going on, there is an oppressing darkness uh, that is trying to take the lives of humanity. Uh, but there has got to be somebody that will stand up and believe and trust in the Lord uh, and begin to be as Billy Graham did for year after year, decade after decade that said, I don't understand it all, uh, but I choose to believe it all. Uh, and because I 
choose to believe, I can walk into the platform and I can begin to talk in the manner where I say God says and the Bible says and all of a sudden lives begin to be transformed and changed. How? Supernaturally by the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, your children that are weighed with this morning, they don't need you to be all polished and proper. They need to be, you see, you committed and sold out like the generations before us. Hear me this morning. What are you choosing to believe? We find that in this season, we must decide. Are we going to be religious or are we going to be the church? Are we going to be Pharisees and Sadducees with all of our rules and all of our opinions and all of our ideals? Or are we going to be the church that walks away from everything and radically pursues Jesus Christ and him alone? Please hear me this morning. Last words are important. I've told you this often, but one of the most amazing conversations of a man that's getting ready to take his last breath here before he stepped into eternity is the man by the name of Joshua. He had encountered some amazing things in his life, but as he's coming, you find in Joshua chapter 24, he called all of the elders of Israel. He called... uh, uh, a group of people together, called all the judges, all the officers, and he begins to go down memory lane with them and says, I I want you to understand the Lord wants to give you a reminder. You are where you are today, not because of your gift, your talent, but because of the faithfulness of our God. He simply said, do you remember that your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time? And he said, I brought you from there. He said, he took them down. He said, do you remember your father Abraham from the other side of the flood who experienced (coughs) the land of Canaan and walked all throughout it and I multiplied his seed? Do you remember that I gave Abraham, Isaac, and that I gave Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Do you remember that Jacob and his family went down into Egypt? And do you remember that I called up Moses and Aaron and they brought you out? And do you remember that time when they was been released, but yet they found themselves in, in, in blocked in by the Red Sea? Do you remember when how I let darkness come upon your adversary and you was able to cross over on dry ground? Do you remember when you went down to the Jordan and and the water was opened up uh, and you crossed over to the city Jericho. Do you remember when you was able to walk around seven times and it was able to crumble down? Do you remember when the two kings of Assyria was destroyed? Uh, Do you remember uh, everything that I did for you? Uh, You're not standing here today because of how great you are, uh, but you're standing here because I've been good to you, uh, because I made a way for you. Uh, And he goes to this place and he says, now therefore uh, you need to fear the Lord uh, and you need to serve him in sincerity and in truth Uh, you need to put away the gods which your fathers once served Uh, but he says listen uh, you got to decide that for yourself Uh, I can't make you uh, uh, but I can tell you uh, as for me and my house uh, we will serve the Lord 
What he was saying is this. Uh, this is a day of decision. Uh, he says, listen, uh, what God has delivered you from, uh, you have found yourself going back into and you're playing with it uh, and it's dangerous uh, and you're getting all of this stuff in your life. Uh, but he says, listen, uh, I'm an old man uh, and I'm getting ready to step into glory uh, and I've already made a decision uh, that I'm going to trust and believe in him uh, because he's been too good to me. Uh, but I don't know what you're going to do but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord uh, can I tell you this morning uh, it's not enough for you to simply say oh I believe in Jesus uh, but I gotta ask you this morning uh, are you serving him uh, in sincerity and in truth uh, it's not about just saying oh we're gonna go to church on Sunday uh, listen uh, you gotta choose to believe this gospel message uh, that there is still uh, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun uh, if we really believe the message of Jesus uh, we won't sleep for 12 hours every night. We won't be drunk on pleasure every day. But there will begin to be a burning sensation inside of us that says, I got to get one more. I got to get one more. I got to see somebody delivered and set free. I got to see somebody have an encounter with God. I got to have a revival. I got to have his presence. Listen, you will be so dissatisfied with ordinary that you will begin to be a radical follower of Christ if you truly believe listen my friend it's not ever been easy for those that was before us so you should not expect for it to be easy now Paul said this you wrestle not against flesh and blood but against spiritual wickedness in high places listen this is a war It's not enough for you just to believe. James says this. Thou believest, in James chapter 2, verse number 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Tell your neighbor, say, you do well if you believe. But you ain't no better than the devil. Go ahead and tell him. Because notice, it says this. The devils also believe, but not only do they believe, but they tremble. Hear me. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Oh, don't go there, preacher, some would say. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was made, for us faith made perfect. Notice, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. But here's the deal. Abraham didn't just believe, but Abraham moved. He did something. When you choose to believe, you will become a doer. Because nothing else will make you satisfied. Listen, my friend. I know many times I misunderstood. Many times... People have called me crazy and foolish, and that's okay. They may be half right, but they don't understand the simple fact that many years ago, in the midst of my brokenness, when I knelt down and I had an encounter with God, not because my daddy was a preacher, but because I called out to him and I surrendered my life, Something began to burn inside of me. And when I said I believed, 
I had to begin to do. Will you choose to believe this morning? You see, when you begin to choose that Jesus is, everything changes. You see, it is when you and I begin to choose to believe and we begin to follow after him, we begin to be made righteous. Our own righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags, but what is righteousness? Righteousness is that inward and outward conformity of the life to the law of God in thought, in word, and in deed. Our lives become consumed with sharing this good news to the world around us. Please hear me this morning. The generations before us, they came, they lived, many of them finished well, many did not. However, they gave birth to you and I, and the torch has been passed to you and to me. Now, this morning, in the midst of all of the chaos of our world, there is something that's been given to you and me, and it is this torch. It is this living, breathing Word of God. Now, if we choose to believe this, and we choose to act upon what it says, we can change a world. If we choose to just be religious men and women, we will continue to let this be just another book that gathers gut dust on our end tables and coffee tables and on our bookshelves. But I want to remind you, when one really, truly puts their faith in God and begins to believe, it opens up the supernatural realm of God. How do I know that? Notice with me. And I believe this wholeheartedly, and I'm closing in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. We've heard that over and over and over. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. But then we get into the good part. Notice this. By faith, in verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Verse number 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. We notice this in verse 7. By faith, been warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. Get at this, verse 8. By faith, when Abraham was called, he went to a place which he had received for an inheritance, and he didn't know where it was, didn't know how to get there. He just went. Notice it was through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive a child named Isaac. Notice if you go on, notice by faith Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac, but God provided. We find that it was by faith Isaac blessed Jacob. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. We know this by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months by his mother in a little ark in the bulrushes. Why? It's because they saw something others didn't. They believed God. By faith, there was many that passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the heart 
harlot Rahab was saved. Uh, it was through faith that many subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and attained promises and stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, and the weakness were made strong. How and why? Is because they had faith in God. They just chose to believe. So I want to ask you this morning, what is that impossible thing in your life right now? What is that impossible thing in your life that you think that you can't get through or over? Can I tell you this morning, when you believe, things change. Right now, across our nation and across the globe, there's great opposition to this message that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can talk about God all you want, do all kinds of things in religious manners, but when you start to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, everything changes. Why is there such opposition, you may ask? It's because when men simply believe, it unlocks the supernatural of God. It can take a little farm boy from the dairy farm of North Carolina and take him around the world and to walk in a manner where he says this I've just come to understand that when I believe if I simply just speak the word something changes there's results How many under the sound of my voice needs to see some results in areas of your life? Listen, you're not going to see those results if you just listen to another message. You're not going to see those results if you just go to another revival meeting. You're not going to see those results if you just go to another church or you go to this conference. That Listen, that's not, that's not the recipe for results. The results is to take every thought captive. And I've been doing this for a long time, friends. I've got thousands of hours. I've wore out multiple Bibles, and it's about time to change again. And man, I can't do it because I like it. It becomes my friend. I've spent thousands of hours in these things. I know a whole lot more than I did when I started, but I still don't understand a lot. But yet I still choose to believe. There's some questions you might ask me that I say, I, I just don't understand why it works that way. But I still choose to believe. I don't understand why some people seem to go through life and never be scathed with anything. And then others seems like it's trouble after trouble. I don't understand why some families are marked with tragedy after tragedy. after. I, I, I can't explain all of those things to you, but I understand this. Whether it's on the mountain or in the valley... I've seen that he is faithful. I can tell you this morning that he's still God. I, I, I don't understand all things, but I understand that when I choose to believe, I see him do wondrously. I see him begin to do miraculously. I... 
have seen. Women unable to bear children bear children. I have seen those that had the darkest of diagnosis have them reversed and canceled and walk in perfect health. I have seen the broken and the hopeless be put back together and walk with joy and peace and rest. I have seen the hand of God move miraculously in lives. I have witnessed him touch me supernaturally when no one else could get to where I was to help me. But all he was faithful. I have encountered his sovereignty. I know what it's like to find that there was someone on the other side of the curve with a gun already drawn, ready to take everything that I had, maybe take my life. But God and his Holy Spirit said, not today. See, I'm not telling you about something that I haven't experienced. But I'm telling you about something that works this morning. I'm telling you about something that even when the darkest of times, sometimes you don't even understand. And it's not always just the big things. I was driving back in last night from Cincinnati, Ohio, and a song began to be played on my playlist, and it's always been a wonderful song that I've just always loved. And, but it has new meaning now. Man, the song began to play, and all of a sudden, man, before my eyes was my mama and my daddy, and I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I need to listen to this. And the next thing you know, I was... I'll just be, I'll just be transparent, man. I was crying like a baby. I'm glad it was dark. Debbie didn't even know. I was just sitting around just crying. But in the midst of that moment of, oh, I sure miss you. All of a sudden, settling down in that old pickup truck, all of a sudden, the presence of God and the peace of God and the Holy Spirit of God came. And I felt a strength that I can't describe. And it undergirded me. What I'm saying today is I chose to believe. Have I done it right every time? Absolutely not. Talk to Debbie, she'll tell you. But listen, when you choose to believe, his presence remains. And that's why darkness has to be dispelled, strongholds have to be broken, and lives can be renewed. I may not be talking to everybody in this room today, but I know this morning I'm talking to somebody. And I have to tell you this morning, I sense that some of you have really been struggling. Is it really this? Is it really what it says? Listen, you can never come to an intellectual understanding of the Word of God because this is not an intellectual book. If you try to figure this out from an intellectual perspective, you will drive yourself crazy, much like Charles did. But this was written through and by the Holy Spirit of God, inspired by God. 
In order for us to understand that it is by faith that we have to eat it and digest it and walk this thing out because this is still a walk of faith. And when you begin to walk it by faith, miracles, signs, and wonders begin to happen. So if you need a miracle this morning, just believe. If you need a reversal this morning, just believe. If you need something to change completely, just believe because God is still who he says he is. As we stand all over the house this morning. Will you believe? John, you've told everybody else what they were supposed to do. But now, sitting in a prison cell, you can't see what you once saw. You're barricaded in, John. But we went and asked him what you wanted us to ask him. And even when we asked him, all of a sudden, the blind began to see, the deaf began to hear, the lame began to walk, and the dead began to be raised, and, and, and the demonic began to be set free. And by the way, John, he says, just because I'm not bringing deliverance to you in the manner you think I should, don't be offended in me. Just because I'm not doing it like you think I should do it, don't be offended in me. So now the question is before John, will you choose to believe? Can I tell you, this morning, John finished well. It costed him his head, but he finished well. It may cost you everything, but you can finish well. But only if you believe. So I want to ask you this morning. Is the choices you're making today... Are they setting the stage for your miracle? Are you just wandering around in a place of doubt and uncertainty? Belief and faith in the things of God is the key to stepping into that place of righteousness. And it is only in that place of righteousness where God dwells. This morning, I think we need to pause. We need to ask ourselves, much like Joshua asked the children of Israel that day. He says, listen, God's gave you all this stuff. You're living in houses that you didn't build. You're eating of things you didn't plant. But you've been playing with a lot of these little gods that are all around you. And you're being sucked back in. He said, I'm, I'm entering the end of my stage. I'm getting ready to step across. But my house is going to continue to serve the Lord. But what are you going to do? Hear me today. You got to decide. Just like the prophet on top of Mount Carmel choose you this day. How long will you halt between two opinions? You can't serve Baal and you can't serve God at the same time. 
You can't be feeding the flesh, loving the things of the world, and serve God. There's got to be a change. There's got to be a decision made. As we continue, and please do not be offended by this statement because this is a blanket statement. I'm not saying this for everybody, but this is a blanket statement. But we as the church world in America especially, as we continue to go hang out and party with Baal and still come in and bow down to Jesus, we continue to see a generation lost, dying, going to hell, full of, full of all kinds of disease. Evil's not the problem. Darkness isn't the problem. The problem is we love Baal just as much as we do Jesus. And it doesn't work. The Bible says this, and this is the words of Christ. This isn't the words of Pastor Ron. This is the words of Christ. He says, unless you pick up your cross daily and follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. This isn't a one and done thing, folks. This is every day you get up and you put yourself on a cross and say, it's not my flesh, it's not my will, but Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I know that sounds radical, but can I tell you, the only people that's ever marked history with the gospel of Jesus Christ is those that radically follow Jesus. And they radically follow Jesus because they radically put themselves on the cross every day. There's a study that says most people spend 98% of their life in 11 miles square. That's boring. Why do you want to do, why do you want to spend all of your life in 11 miles square? But can I tell you, spiritually speaking, most people live within a one square mile. They live in this little thing because, oh, this is just comfortable. This is, but listen, there's a world that needs Jesus. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Come follow me. That's what Jesus said. Come follow me. Paul said, come follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, I do not live a boring life. You might get a little tired, but I'm not boring. Some people don't understand it, but listen, how do you not be his hands and his feet when he's called you to be? You just have to believe. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how any of it's worked out. I guess he's just desperate for help. That's why he uses me. Because you all say no. I don't know. Listen, some of it you can never figure out. But listen, when you just become willing and say yes, you can walk into the supernatural power of God. So will you choose today? I'm not asking you to choose to be a Baptist, a Pentecostal, a Methodist. I'm not asking any of that. I'm, I'm not asking you to have an allegiance to man I'm asking you or you choose to really be the church, the remnant of God in this hour. If that's you this morning, you'd say, I, I say yes. You say, I say yes. I'm going to ask you to come stand in front of this building. I want to pray with you today before we leave. Radically say, I, I'll say yes. They used to sing a song, I'll say yes, Lord, I'll say yes to your will and to your way. I'll say yes. Now, if I say yes, that means this. It's really hard for some of you. That means you got to take the car keys, spiritually speaking, out of your pocket and give them to him and say, okay, you're driving now. 
That means you don't always do what you want to do. You don't always get a, get a walk in the path that you always want to walk. But it means this. When I say yes, I'm all in. Can I tell you this morning when Billy Graham said yes, he began to touch a world. And when Charles Templeton began to say no, he became a man that was full of struggle. His life fell apart. His marriage fell apart. A man that was doing amazing things for God. When he walked away in a broken state, all he had was $600 in a car. And he went back and isolated himself. He went and had some success in the natural, in some careers and things that he did. But as a broken old man, he said, I miss him. The one that I communed with, the one that had done so much, everything good that I've ever known came from him, and now I miss him. I don't want you to miss him this morning. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.